Are you ready? <laughs> so, Sam, no? Sam. Yeah. Uh, if there's anything I say that maybe I use Pali words and stuff and you don't understand, maybe can I ask, does everybody understand the Pali words that I used in the, you know, in the Satipatthana Sutta and all? Yes? Anybody doesn't understand? Okay, so I'll try to remember to use the English. <coughs> okay. Now we can start. Yeah. Okay. So Sierra is going to talk to us about the medita- um, Satipatthana, what type of meditation, yeah, based on Satipatthana. So first he'll tell us what meditation is. Meditation is called meditation. Meditation Meditation is the cultivation of the good qualities of our minds. So we all have good qualities of mind and we also have poor qualities of mind or negative qualities of mind. Um, And when we (coughs) choose to cultivate the positive qualities of mind, the good qualities of mind, and we choose to abandon or um, work to understand and lessen the poor qualities of mind, this is called meditation. This meditation is called Satipatthana because what we use to do this meditation, the leading um, faculty is Sati. And using Sati, what we are trying to develop is in particular five good qualities of mind. It is Sati itself, and then um, Sati is remembering, and then there is Samadhi, which is the stability of our minds. There's Virya, which is right effort. He will explain it. And then there is um, Sadda, which is faith or confidence in the practice of meditation. And finally, Panya, which is the wisdom. These five qualities we are trying to cultivate by using Sati. Mm. So, so every time we are mindful, every moment that we are mindful, um, these five qualities actually work together. And as you meditate, you'll realize how much not just how much, you'll realize that what is doing the meditation is your mind. Yeah, that will become clear to you. And when we meditate, there's always two parts to the meditation. There is the mind that is being aware. That's you trying to meditate. And then there is the things that we observe. 
we will call the things that we observe objects. So the objects that you know, the experiences that you have, these are all objects. So there's two parts, and you and we are more concerned with the part that we play, which is the awareness that we put in, the mind that is being aware. And it is in this mind that is being aware, the way that we are being aware, that it is important that we hold good qualities, that we are not, well, not at least consciously choosing to use <coughs> any unskillful but you will find that because it's the habit of our minds that even while we try to meditate and try to be positive while we meditate that um, our old habits come in and we find ourselves um, trying to be aware and we're anxious about what we are aware of or we have greed and we want to be aware of something in particular and so on. Mm. And the result of having an unskillful way of being aware is that we start using too much energy. So you'll find, and too much energy is usually, um, it usually manifests as focusing a lot. So you'll find that if you're wanting your experience to be a certain way, you start using a lot of effort to try and make it go that way. If you don't like what you're experiencing and you want it to go away, you tend to use too much effort to try and make it go away. You may not notice that that's your motivation, but if you notice that you're using too much effort, and if you check, you might find that there. So when we get into that mode, we have begun to practice incorrectly. And then we get the results of that. We get the results of that. We start to find ourselves getting tired, tense, tight, um, upset, frustrated. Uh, both mind and body get tired. Sometimes we get bored. He says, but if we are practicing correctly, we will find that the way we feel as we continue to practice is the mind feels lighter, we get more interested, we feel strong, we feel confident, um, we feel fresh. It feels interesting. And this is the result of being, having positive, being positive in the way we are being aware. So, if these positive qualities are um, operating in the way that we are being aware, then you will find the results come quite naturally. I know, the other yogi, 
And Sierra says, um, for all of us, learning how to practice with this in this skillful way, where the way we are being aware is skillful, that is the first and most important lesson that we want to learn from the meditation itself. And in the beginning, for some of us, it might feel a little difficult. We don't really know what we're looking for. Am I practicing skillfully or not? Um, what am I supposed to look for? And that's all right, he says. We just practice. And as we practice and we discuss with him, and he points out things to us which is in our you know, normal way of being, we will slowly begin to tune in and understand what we're looking for. And it's not something strange and wonderful. It's quite And one of the first things he'd like us to do in a very simple way is just to, if we have a practice where we focus on things, to stop focusing or focus less. <laughs> Uh, and what he he says what what it helps us to do is when we focus less we also give less energy to those unskillful patterns of our minds the 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 unskillful energies of focusing with greed or focusing with aversion or focusing with delusion <coughs> Yes, he says it's it's sort of like, you know, when we're not skillful at something, we shouldn't put our full energy into it because we might do it wrong in a very strong way. So we should approach it tentatively because we don't know yet. We don't want to put all the energy incorrectly into something. So he says, approach it gently. So we want to be relaxed in body and mind and just be interested. And what is practicing with greed is basically we want something. We think the meditation should be a certain way. We want good practice. We think we should have good practice. He says, and we, he wants to relax this. It doesn't have to be anything in particular. Just relax and be with whatever it is. It's okay. Because when we start focusing, it's usually because we, we want something. We, there's something we think it should be or we want it to be. Um, we would like to, we think it's better. When we have these thoughts about the way, about our practice, we start to focus. And he explains that the nature of the mind is to arise and pass away. 
But the good news is that every time the mind arises and passes away, it passes on its qualities to the next mind that is going to arise. So the next mind inherits the qualities of the previous mind. <clears throat> and if mind after mind we put in a moment of awareness, then that quality is passed on to the next mind. And if we are trying to do this all day long, the quality of awareness is being passed on and is getting stronger simply because of every moment. moment of awareness being passed on to the next mind. This is just the nature of the mind, that if we do something repeatedly, that becomes stronger in the mind. So, to make any quality in our mind stronger, Sierra says, we don't have to do that quality strongly. We just have to do the quality repeatedly. So, if we want to have metta, we just have try to do it again and again, and it should get stronger. We don't have to do it, try to do it a lot in one moment. He says, do you know why people, you know, some people have really hot tempers? Why is that? It's because they allow themselves to express their anger to that degree many, many times. They've allowed their mind to do it. So they've been practicing having a hot temper very well. <laughs> so if we want our awareness, our stability of mind, um, our wisdom to get stronger, then we just have to allow them to be around as much as possible. <laughs> so Sierra is not giving us a, a gong for when to be aware. That's not going to, nobody's going to beat a drum for when you have to be aware because you have to be aware as much as possible throughout the day. All the time, if possible. <laughs> That's your schedule. <laughs> From the moment you wake up in the morning until you fall asleep at night, it's understood that you are trying your best to be aware. Does he still need to get someone to ring a gong for awareness? You, you want to remind him? <laughs> then there was somebody will be going around beating the drum all all day long. <laughs> we can take turns. So the gong on this retreat is for when people need to gather together in one place. The rest of the time that. Um, we're on our own schedule. You can make your own schedule of how you want to spend your time being aware. Mm. So that first thing is do not focus too hard. The second thing is to have the right attitude. And 
and the wrong attitude or the wrong view is um, all of us have this view when we um, think of ourselves, we identify this as me. So we think of this, the mental processes and the bodily processes that go on in this being, uh, we think of it as me, I. But when we have this sense of identification, it makes the practice of vipassana a little difficult. And and how it makes it difficult is that when we identify with what we are observing, it it, um, allows more of the unwholesome qualities to arise, allows more, like, we might get frustrated with, with what we are observing or upset with what we are observing or yeah, bec- or elated. And this is because we think this is me. This is happening to me. This is my work. So once I am in the center of this universe that we are observing, he says then whatever we observe, it's easy to get either attached to it or not like it or get anxious that is there, or even afraid of what we see, it's if we don't think of it as being just processes. <laughs> Our belief in this, this, um, these sets of mental and physical processes being me is very strong. You know, we think I'm hot, I'm cold, uh, I'm sick. And then... That can sometimes, you know, we can sort of sometimes say, okay, this is happening in the body or something like that. But he says our attachment to the mind is even stronger. And when we are practicing awareness, we're becoming aware of what's happening in the mind. And when we identify with what's happening in the mind as what's happening to me, he says, then we have all these reactions. It's like we see maybe anger arising in the mind or greed arising in the mind. That's going to happen, you know. And then what happens is we have this reaction, oh, this is not, you know, why is my mind like this? Because we've, we've identified, instead of seeing greed is like this, or anger is like this, we identify and that makes it difficult. And then if we see positive states of mind, oh, so I have good samadhi, then we start to get a, fit, a bit, <laughs> maybe a bit arrogant, yeah, maybe happy. So the idea is actually that we observe these processes and begin to understand how these minds work. Oh, greed works like this, anger works like this. And then if we understand the processes and the nature of these minds more, we become free of their ensnarement, of, of being caught up in them. We become free of them and we're not slaves to them. But when we can't see it that way, when we think of this as me, then um 
then the wisdom doesn't come. Yes, the wisdom doesn't come. The understanding of those minds, instead of the understanding arising, um, we have more defilements because we are we are caught in those in those experiences and identifying with them. the knowledge so although it may be hard to just believe this concept, you don't have to believe it, Sarah says, you just um, need to hold it in your mind. Just hold it in the mind um, and remember it when you are being aware, if you can. I wonder what it's like to think that anger is just anger instead of I am angry, you know, that sort of thing. If you can think of, for example, you know, anger, if you can consider it this way, that everybody can get angry. If everybody can get angry, then anger as a quality isn't something that belongs to me. It's universal. It's a quality that can be experienced. But anger has its own qualities because every time someone is angry, they display very similar Qualities, and so we want to understand what these qualities of anger are—the nature of anger itself. So, if we can bring this view in every time we uh, observe our bodily processes, the physical processes, and the mental processes, if we can remember to bring in this view. As much as possible, um, it will really help us. Because insight is often described as understanding things as they are. And to understand something as it is, then we must not have attachment to what we are observing. We must not have um, resistance to it. And we must not have a delusion about it, our beliefs about it. So we remove these, well, through the practice. We slowly hope to do that. Um, and when we are able to, able to tune into that space, then we see things as they really are. So... So that's why um, then it's called right view. When we see nature as just what it is, it's nature. So we will remind ourselves that whatever we're observing in the physical and the mental, that it's nature, it, we are observing its nature, and, um, and we're being aware of it. And why are we being aware? Anybody know why we are being aware? No? No. Just because he said so. He said be aware, so we are going to be aware. Yes? No? To learn? Yeah. That's right, because we want to, to learn, to discover, um, to know ourselves better. 
Now the good information is suit. Challenge is suit. So when we are being aware, Seattle says two two things happen, two two sort of um, things get uh, fulfilled at the same time. One is because we are aware continuously, the quality of awareness is building in our mind, so that's becoming stronger. The other thing is that when we are aware, the mind is picking up information. Whether we know it or not, the mind is picking up information, and so our knowledge will grow. Uh, information is completely and once the mind has enough information, it will be able to understand something better, more completely. So we have to be relaxed in body and mind, and we need to have right view. We need to remember to have right view. So these are the two important things, yes? No, less focusing and be relaxed. Two, right attitude or right view. Uh, right information, no? The, the, the quality of safety, the quality of the quality of safety, And Sierra is going to, I think, explain some of the mental qualities to us. He says it's helpful to understand them in words so that when we're practicing, we can see that, oh, this is how the mind is working. We have words to describe. Uh, Awareness. The The first one is the quality called sati. What is sati? Sati is remembering, or more precisely, it's not forgetting. What is it not forgetting? And sati is not forgetting what is happening in here, the nama rupa. And nama rupa is not body, uh, rupa is not body, so maybe physical processes. Um, and nama is the mental processes. So nama rupa, the physical and mental processes. Um, if you want another way of thinking of the physical and mental pro- mental processes, it's knowing the six sense doors. So five sense doors are seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching, our physical senses. And then you have another sense door, that's your mind. So not forgetting to be in touch with the six sense doors or the mental and bodily processes. Right now, if you would just be aware of yourself, do you notice, for example, that you are sitting? Yes? And do you notice that you are seeing? Yes? Are you sure? Really, you are clearly aware now that you are seeing, yes? Yes. When did you notice that you are seeing? When? And when, and when did you start paying attention to it? When he yes. said it? Yes. How about it? I have so 
So that's, he wants to point out to us how much we could be knowing about our experience that we are not in touch with. We are seeing all the time, but we are not conscious of it. We see, we hear, we look, we listen all day long, but we are not aware of it. That, that's delusion at work. And to recognize that you were seeing when he mentioned it, did you have to use much energy? Did you need to focus? No, you just knew. And that's awareness. And knowing that you are seeing is becoming conscious of your sight, being conscious of the fact that you have the ability to see. It's not the thing that you see. Knowing seeing is not that you are seeing this picture or him or the... Seeing, not seeing things. It's a sense of seeing. Yeah. yeah. Looking is when you look at the object. Yeah, so when you close your eyes, seeing doesn't happen. And then when you open your eyes, seeing is happening. And So that nature of seeing, just recognizing that sense of sight. That is something that we can be aware of. Seeing and looking and tula. And seeing and looking are not the same. <laughs> yeah? I don't know. Yes. And do you see because you look or do you look because you see? Yeah. Do so we can look because we see, right? Yes. These two natures are different. One is active and one is passive. On this retreat, Seattle would like to encourage us to recognize seeing and looking as much as we can because in our lives we look and see all day long. It's something very useful to help us to be mindful. And to be really skillful at being mindful all the time, we need to be able to tune in to the awareness of all our six sense doors, you know, noticing what the mind is being aware of right now, whether it might be aware of seeing or hearing or smelling or tasting or touching or something in the mind. We need to tune into, we need to know, be familiar with all of them. There are people, he says there are yogis who practice maybe 25 years and and are surprised that they have never noticed seeing. <laughs> but the more we practice, the more skillful we must become. And skillful means that we are um, at ease with everything in the Nama Rupa. And the Nama Rupa is all the six but often we don't hear this information and so we don't recognize that it's a valid thing to be aware of. 
And then when we sit, often we have our eyes closed. And there's a very strong association with also meditation being sitting with the eyes closed. So then we never notice seeing. But we only need to close our eyes if we're going to do like samatha sort of meditation. Um, if we want to do vipassana, we can practice with all our successes. In, in a, when we want to do a samatha type of practice, Yadav says we need to close the eyes because when we have our eyes open, actually there's a large percentage of our mind, of our mind that is occupied with our senses, with seeing and so on. Because, you know, you walk, you need to know where you're walking and so on. And the mind does it automatically. It's already doing it. But a large percentage of the mind is, um, is doing that ac- activity um, subconsciously. So the mind can't focus 100% on one thing, which we want, if you want to do samatha practice, which is why for samatha practices, he says people close their eyes. (laughs) But for a vipassana practice, he says, we want the mind to be agile, to be flexible, to be, um, what's the word, Um, responsive, you know, to, to know which... Um, sense it is with because we need to be able to move around and still be aware. So we need, we need to be able to know what the mind is aware of. He says, but because the objective of vipassana practice also is wisdom, when we want wisdom, we need more complete information. So we need to have information from all our sense stores so that we have a more complete story of what we're observing and not a one-sided picture. So for Vipassana practice, especially at home, you'll find that noticing, seeing and looking uh, will make practicing at home much easier. Because because it's something we do at home so much. He says, just right now, try. He says, look at something. And then just notice that you're looking. Is that difficult? Yeah, not difficult. And we do that so much at home. And if we could just recognize it, we'd have so much mindfulness at home. Do you, can you guess how many times we look in one day? How, well, and the next one is how many times do we notice that we look in one day? <laughs> Just because we don't, we don't know that it's it's a valid practice. Something that we can do. And imagine, he says, if this was part of our practice, 
so much a part of our practice that it became a habit that every time we looked, the mind would, the, the awareness would pop up because we'd made it a habit to be aware every time we look. And then the awareness would just keep following us all day long because we do so much looking in the day that we'd have so much mindfulness. He says, and it's a great place to practice here because the views are awesome, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> And he wants us to notice something about the way the mind works. We use the words looking when we pay attention to something we see. We use the word listen when we pay attention to something we hear or we want to hear. And we pay attention with the mind when we want to pay attention to something we know. Yes? And all these three functions of mind, they go through different sense doors. One is through seeing, one is through listening, one is through the mind. But it's the same movement of mind. It's paying attention. And so we were talking about sati. And so now he wants to tell us how when we are aware of what's happening at our sense door, that is awareness. When you see and you recognize you see, that's awareness. If you look and you recognize you're looking, that's awareness. It's the same whether you listen or hear, taste or smell or touch or know or think. And if you recognize that the mind, you know, if you recognize that these things are happening, that's awareness. That's sati. Yeah. So to illustrate this, Yadra has this um, little example. He says, a car passes by and we are aware that the car passed by. Is that awareness? Meditation awareness. Is that the awareness that we speak about when we meditate? A car passes by and we know the car passed by. Is that awareness? Sort of. And it says, when the car passes by, everybody knows. Whether we're meditating or not, we know the car passed by. Yeah, so, that's it. But the way awareness in meditation is different is the recognition of our senses in the experience of knowing a car passed by. So when you know that you saw, that's awareness. When you know that you heard, that's awareness. When you felt the vibrations of a car passing by, you know that you felt the vibrations, that's awareness. That's the awareness we're talking about in meditation. If all we knew is that a car passed by, that's just knowing the concept of the car passing by. It's when we are aware of our senses and how they contribute to our experience. That's awareness. Mm. 
That's so you don't need to focus, right? So far, no need to focus? No. And he would like us to be patient. You know, he says, if we're patient with the amount of awareness we have, whether it feels clear or not, and if we just do that continuously, he says, you will see that it becomes stronger. You will see it becomes different. Your experience of awareness changes. You become sensitive to what's happening at your sense doors. That will heighten. (laughs) It's like one of the yogis said. He says when he became more and more aware of seeing, he noticed that he also became more sensitive to hearing. It's just because the awareness as a whole is growing. So that was about sati. And now we go on to samadhi, which we call stability of mind or steadiness of mind. And it's really just about being... um, okay with the moment, the clarity of being with the moment. Uh, it doesn't have to be super clear. Um, Siyadra says, it's more about being, uh, having the right attitude, being content with the moment as it is. That steadies the mind. If we're content with whatever we know, the mind is steady. If we're not wanting the moment to be different, if we don't think, oh, you know, I should be seeing this much more clearly, if we don't have this thought, or we think, oh, this is not a good experience, how am I going to go through it? If we don't have these thoughts, and we're just like, oh, this is what's happening now, he says the mind is already much more steady. There's two ways that we, you know, can steady the mind. One is by being aware of something continuously, um, also in the right way, right? Then you get samadhi. Another way is just to have the right attitude or the right view. That gives the mind samadhi. For example, he says, um, say there was a noise going around. Say there was a noise that we could hear. And if we had no preference about noise. If we had no preference about sound, we didn't think there should be sound and we didn't think there should not be sound. We're just like, oh, there is sound. If we had that sort of attitude, he says, we would not, the mind would not be shaken. The mind would have samadhi, it would be steady. But if we had an opinion about it, good or bad, particularly bad, then we'd start to have emotions about it. So, For meditation, what is our opinion on sound? Do you think it's better to meditate when it's silent or when it's noisy? What do you think? (laughs) 
And he'll explain the reason he asked this question. If we think, if we have an opinion that silence is good, then every time it's noisy, we're going to have a big problem trying to be aware because of our opinion. Yeah? And we won't have any steadiness of mind. No matter how hard you've been concentrating, you can be concentrating for hours, and if there's a sound, you're going to be in pieces. But when we can, but when we can be really, you know, when we can really see that things are as they are, that if there is a sound, we are very honest about our experience, which is, now I hear sound, now sound is heard. He says, then... That's that's right view. That's all there is at the moment. Sound is being heard. If there's no opinion. But if there is an opinion, then that also can be seen with the right view. Oh, I have an opinion about it. You know, I have greed for silence and recognizing that. Hello. So in Vipassana practice, it's so important to be able to recognize the truth of what is happening in the moment as it is. And and whatever you know, it's perfectly fine as it is because it's being known by you. It's a good moment because you are aware and awareness is what we are aiming for. And if you appreciate that awareness is present, then the experience, whether you know, we would judge it as a good experience or a bad experience, becomes irrelevant because what is of importance in that moment, what is of value in the moment is the awareness. And the experience will come and just be itself, but you are aware, and that's what you're trying to grow, is the awareness. And the same happens with our thoughts and pain. We spend a lot of time thinking the mind should not be thinking. We spend a lot of time wishing the pain would go away. Um, and um, actually, if the mind is thinking, we just need to know that the mind is thinking. So long as we're not It might be helpful, he said, to know something about the mind and its definition. The mind is uh, one of the ways the mind is defined is to to is that the mind is that which thinks. So because it thinks, therefore it is called mind. So if you have a mind, you're going to it's going to think. <laughs> so you can't choose not to think. You know, there's the mind will think that's its function it should think so but if we if we if we would accept that and just recognize it oh this is the, the mind at work the mind is thinking now that's what we need to do we can recognize the mind is thinking more now or the mind is thinking less now and that's how we can recognize it. Sometimes we recognize that the mind is more quiet. 
sometimes is agitated and we don't need it to change. We just need to recognize what it is like right now and follow that process to see how it is. So we recognize what it is now and we acknowledge what it is now and we keep watching to see what happens to it. Acknowledge low yoma, recognize low yoma. Just acknowledging, recognizing, and continuing uh, to know. Usually, it's very simple. Usually, I can't do it. But that very simple thing can be the hardest thing to do. Yes. So, He's trying to illustrate how if we have the right thought, the right thinking, the right opinion, so to speak, the right attitude, it brings stability of mind. And um, sometimes it helps to just have this information and it can help us to think differently when we're in that moment that we're caught up in something. And for the rest of the instructions, Yadav says every morning he'll be here to say a few words and then we'll have interviews and then we can go into things in more detail. Otherwise, he says, maybe too much information. Yeah, we have indigestion. And then... This is related to sati and samadhi's right effort, virya. And right effort is not about, use, not about being aware strongly. Right effort is about never giving up trying to be aware, even when you lose it. Mm. Yeah, just, oh, let's start again. Beginner's mind, right effort. Mm. Perseverance, he mm. said. Mm. So remember meditation is just being aware, but we might do it in different postures. In a sitting posture, Siyadra says, um, it's our choice whether we want to use one object to start being aware or we want to just open the mind and see what is the mind aware of. ซะอ่าตัวอายุไม่ใหญ่มันลุกตะลุอายุตะคุปีทาใจได้อายุยุโรยะเด้ดาเมดีตะคุเดยูอ่ะแม่มะหุตะดีชื่อออกนอกตะ
And once you are aware, you will actually find that as you continue to be aware, the mind starts to notice other things. So maybe you're aware of the breath and it starts noticing your thinking. Maybe it starts noticing sounds. And you might start noticing temperature. And what he wants us to do is be open to the other objects. We can remain with the one, with our anchor, the first object, but we must allow the mind to notice the other objects. We shouldn't be trying to push them away and focus harder and harder on the one object. Okay, It's about allowing, not focusing, but allowing the mind to know more because knowing more means that the awareness is better. But we also have to watch out for the tendency of the mind to chase after the different objects that we start seeing. Yeah, We, we can start getting into this like, oh, I'm knowing this and that, and this. oh, it's getting so chaotic because there's so many objects. So also there's no need to chase. We just stay on one thing and notice that other things are being noticed. And that's okay. And when we have pain, Sierra says, do not watch the pain directly. What he wants us to watch when there's pain is, is the reaction we have in our mind towards pain. And we remind ourselves that pain is not a problem because we can make ourselves comfortable if we like. It's also nature. But we want to understand the nature of pain, how this mind-body experiences pain. And we watch the reaction, the feelings that we have towards pain. When we walk, we're going to be aware. So whenever we walk, it's walking meditation. He wants us to walk naturally. Because this is something that we're going to do at home a lot too. We walk a lot at home. And we want every walk, everywhere we walk to be meditation. So don't control your movements. Just walk. First walk, he says, and then bring in awareness. Notice how you are walking when you walk naturally. I know where. And you will find that, you know, initially... It might help to just stay on one thing when you're walking. You know, you notice you're walking and maybe you just notice your body is moving. Or maybe you like to feel the touching sensation. That's helpful for you. But whatever it is, as you walk naturally and you stay with one thing, you will find that the awareness expands. And then you know many things that's happening when you're walking. It just happens without trying too hard, if you're patient with the he says, to be in the present moment is not just knowing one or two things in the present moment. The more we can know in the present moment, the more present we are in the moment. And for the rest of the day, he says, you know, whatever you do, please try to be as as aware of yourself as possible. 
he says, um, as far as talking, he knows um, that we are not going to talk. And he says, we are not talking so that we don't make noise for the other person. He says, we are not talking so that we can help ourselves to be more mindful for the moment. Sometimes you might need to speak to somebody about something. You can know that you want to speak and try to be mindful when you speak. Because it's so difficult to be aware when when we speak. So especially when we begin a retreat or if we are beginners, then you know when we tr- if we s- allow ourselves to speak a lot, we find that we can't really build mindfulness because we just get lost in the speaking and we can't remain aware while we are speaking. But in the last two days, we might be allowed to speak. We might have to go down to Interlaken to do it, but we can. He will you know, encourage us to speak in the last two days. He'll tell us when we can try some controlled experiments in speaking. <laughs> Just to... <laughs> he says we, we do need to um, learn to be mindful as we speak because otherwise we get so overwhelmed by the desire to say what we want to say and sometimes it can be quite unskillful. Yeah. And he wants us to do this because it is in the Satipatthana Sutta. The, Bud- the Buddha taught it, taught it. The Buddha said when we are silent, we should know we are silent. When we are speaking, we should know we are speaking. And this is also something that we will use so much at home to be mindful. Okay. So, Enough? Any questions? <laughs> Any questions? Yes? Yes. If there's no difference between a silent place and a quiet place, yes. why, as Buddha did more than 100 times, the teaching to The Buddha gave many different talks to different people and because he was the greatest teacher of, of men and devas and so on, he knew what each individual needed particularly, like what suited them. So many of these are given um, to, like, it, it's, I, it's optimal conditions for that person's liberation. So that was the Buddha's, um, that was the Buddha's ability, his skill. 
you know, knowing what to tell someone. But he didn't tell everyone uh, to do that. The Satipatthana Sutta, which he, um, which he gave in the in Savatthi, I think. There he he gave this talk where he's encouraging people to be aware of everything, including you know to be aware when you're speaking or aware when you're looking and so on. So this practice was really much more suited to lay people who needed to be at home and work and interact with people. Um, and some of the other um, suggestions he gave were more suited to monks who had. Um, like a, an inclination to samatha, you know, those who who were better suited to doing practices which were um, much more um, special. But the satipatthana is a practice of, of choicelessness, that you, you do not have to choose the time, the place, the posture, or the activity in order to be aware. That is the practice of Satipatthana. But since we are here to practice Satipatthana, we're going to practice the, the, we're going to practice choicelessness so that we can um, become skillful at it and understand it. And hopefully it will be helpful for us. Especially when we're at home, we really have no choice. And if we want to be aware, we have to be aware despite everything else. That has to be our determination. Yes, for beginners, yes. Yeah, that's why we start the retreat and nobody talks. Yeah, and no matter how much we build the practice in a silent place, when we get to the noisy place, if we haven't learned right attitude, we're still not going to be able to practice there. Yeah, the mind won't mature. So mind, really right attitude is key. Yeah, because ultimately, um, equanimity, you know, um, should be present whether we, it is, you know, whatever our environment, noisy, quiet, cold, hot, whatever, yeah. Ideally. But that depends on how much we understand already. What do you mean by having consciousness? Oh, the self-consciousness, Domopio. Okay, I wouldn't call vinyana having consciousness. Vinyana is a um, a function of the mind that is omnipresent. 
So whatever object that arises in this mind-body process, there's a vijnana attached to it. You may not know it. So we're not, yeah, we, we don't know there's vijnana happening all the time. But sometimes some people who are aware can notice the vijnana that is with the object. Some people can't. Yes. Yeah. Fear. Fear is is in the dosa family, which is aversion, you know, yeah, it's it's a range of emotions from um yeah, from small irritation all the way to fear and rage, yeah. And no longer. Hmm. So now he calls sati remembering. Um, awareness is when all five faculties are working together. What we know as awareness is the five faculties working together. Shimpia the dina awareness is a good no? Awareness go nga nga wa turut nga balanga. Tetia telungnya nak lulung apa ya? Yeah, because also awareness alone cannot work. Sati sati cannot work alone. Sati tends to work with the other four. Yes. Awareness go. Meditating mind Yeah. Mindfulness. Yeah, he, not that there's a Pali word for it, but, you know, when we, what we understand as being mindful or aware or watching or observing, he says you can call it the meditating mind. Uh, it's basically the five faculties watching working together. Yeah, those five qualities, the, oh, the sati, the samadhi, the virya, the sada, and the panya, they're working together. That's what we call awareness. They are actually present if we, if we try and look, yeah. Okay. Yes. Just some minutes before I was asking myself, am I now looking or am I seeing and it was asking myself, am I listening or hearing or is this in mind or not? Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, right thought call. He said <laughs> he said he would call that right thought. To atonilare, uh, and you are meditating. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because when you think the thought, the mind does that, right? Yeah. So then it's being aware. Yes. Yes. He says when we meditate with, um, especially for sitting meditation, for the sitting postures, he says when you want to sit with the eyes open, forget the eyes. 
yes. yeah, you just leave your eyes open and then leave them alone. And then you do your normal, like feeling your, you know, maybe you start with the body. Maybe you want to start with the, the okay. eyes. But, you know, he says when we are aware of whatever we're aware of, and sometimes the awareness naturally goes to the eyes, that's, that's better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he says, but if you want to mm, particularly just try to practice seeing, right? He says, then don't try to see anything. Just keep the eyes open. Don't try to look. Don't try to look anything. But you'll notice that even though you're not trying to look, the eye, the, the mind seems to settle on something anyway. You know, um, but you're not consciously doing it. You know, it's sort of like a settling of the the, the mind anyway into the the, vi- the 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 scene that the mind sees. But if you have some other objects that you are usually aware of and you let your mind be with your usual objects while your eyes open, you'll find that at some point the mind not comes to comes back to the you know to noticing that they're seeing he says then it can be quite quite um uh, a surprise like quite clear like oh this is seeing you know seeing is happening yeah, yeah. Uh, how does ตามสิยะอโลกกุปโลนาเลเลตามสิยะอันดีไปตามสิยะอันนอกไลน์ล่ะตูเรียนยันตะมิวยันเว้ยยูเรียนยันเว้ยตะดีชื่อได้ใช
ဘလို့သတိဌာနေလဲအဲ့ဒါကျွန်လမကျွန်လအဲ့ဒီပေါ်မှာမူတိပြီးတော့ကိုအထုတ်မှုပေါ်မှုတိပြီးတော့ဘ